Welcome to Toby Haydock's Who's Round, and in this episode, a goodman goes to war. If by war, I mean a pub. Right, uh, I'm in a pub. Uh, and it's a nice sunny day here in London, and I'm delighted that I've got somebody who's not on the DVD for a story we struggled to get participants for. So I'm delighted to be adding to the sum total of knowledge of that story and others. So I'm going to ask him who he is and why I'm talking to him about Doctor Who. Hello, Toby. My name is Robert Goodman, and I guess you're talking to me about Doctor Who because I was fortunate enough to be involved in the classic series of Doctor Who with two of the Time Lords, uh, the first one being Tom Baker and the second one being of the same name but no relation as far as I know, Colin Baker. And I was a Doctor Who monster, uh, which is absolutely fantastic. No one can take that away from me. I was a Doctor Who monster and I was a mandrill in the story Nightmare of Eden. Uh, and I was a starship pilot in the story Death of the Doctor. Or was it, was it, no, trial, was it Trial of a Time Trial Lord? of a Time Terror Lord. of the Verboid. And I was trying to work out which, are you the one, have you got a big beard? Yes. That's you, yes. all right. Yes, I've got a, I'm, I'm all dressed in white with a big beard. Yeah, because um, yeah. um, yeah. you're on the bridge with Michael Craig and he gets sapped <laughs> in the arm and you're, yeah. yeah. Absolutely, all that happened, yeah. Yeah, yeah that, 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 that was good fun, I, en I enjoyed that. And of course, Honor Blackman was in that. Yeah. Uh, with me as well, and I've since worked with Honor Blackman again, uh, just me and Honor in a short film. Um, and the short film is called Money for Old Rope. Uh, check it out on the internet. And uh, yeah, and that's Honor. Honor's a delightful person, she's lovely, she's a very old lady now and very sweet, but it was a great, great fun working with Honor on that ship. And so, yeah, so working with Honor twice once in uh, Trial of a Time Lord and once recently, about three months ago. Yeah. And so being a mandrel, who are quite distinctive in terms of Doctor not very bendy arms. Not very bendy arms. I mean, I think um, they, they're sort of a cross between a crocodile and a gorilla, or something <laughs> like that, aren't they? Um, not very bendy arms, uh, as all Doctor Who monsters, I'm sure, will tell you, especially the Daleks. Um, the costume's very restrictive, very difficult to work in. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we, we, we got by. I mean, uh, can't see a bloody thing, you know, in, in the costume. Can't bend your arms, can't see a thing, and can only do a sort of a shuffly sort of walk. But, uh, yeah, but, 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 I mean, great fun. And Tom Baker, of course, um, fabulously mad. Uh, and and, and uh, a, a lovely guy for me. Um, he, he, he had this thing about doing crosswords all the time. He does about ten crosswords a day. And... Um, but yeah, he he, he 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 was he was good fun to be with, and and, and uh, uh, a kind and supportive actor. I have to say, it sounds a bit cliched to say that, but the man was a very kind and supportive actor. And um, yeah. So. And it's interesting that because we had a brief chat before I started recording, and the question that one always comes in with when one uh, is to talk about Nightmare of Eden actually had sort of passed you by in that the director walked off the show, but that was not something that you mandrel guys necessarily were exposed to. I didn't know that. I, I, I mean, I, I, I just I, I have no recall at all of there being any problems uh, on the show between the director and Tom. Um, 
or a director walking and being replaced with another director who was at the time producing the show. I've since learned from you, Toby. And so, no, I had, I had absolutely no notion of any of that happening at all. So at what point would you have entered the production? Would you have done the rehearsals or were you pretty much thrown onto the studio floor? No, we, we, we did rehearse. We had costume rehearsals and we had movement rehearsals for the mandrels. Um, I mean, they weren't heavy rehearsals, but we did, we, we did have a day rehearsing. For me personally, everything just seemed to go smoothly and, and we were just called on to set when we were needed and when we weren't needed, uh, we weren't called on to set and we, 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 we sort of relaxed, relaxed out back. But, um, yeah, but, 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 I, but I have no recall at all of there being any problems at all. The, the only recall I have was how hot it was in the costumes, very hot. I literally lost a few pounds during the, during the couple of weeks I was working on it. Um, and, and how had you got there? Because that was quite—it was quite an early job for you. So how had how had Rob Goodman come to be encased in latex at, uh, at, on, on BBC television? I had to go and audition for the job. Uh, I had an agent at the time, and I—I I mean, my career started. I, I started my career. I'd done a couple of pantomimes uh, as the pantomime villain. And I'd, uh, I, I'd worked, done a couple of commercials, and I'd done a little bit of fringe theatre. So I, I, an agent picked me up from one of the fringe theatre theatre jobs I was doing, and he said, do you want to audition for Doctor Who? So I said, you know, of course. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> of course I want to audition for Doctor Who. It was only, uh, only as, it's, it's only as a monster. <laughs> Ideal. You know, that's, that's oh, it would have been a role that I'd chosen to do. Having said that, a role that I've chosen to do, of course, um, the present doctor, Matt uh, Smith, is leaving. Did you know that? Mm, he's, it's he, been he, announced this weekend. It's been announced we this weekend this, that he's, as we record this, he, he, he's going, he, he's off ski. Uh, he says he has film offers. Good luck to him. He's from my hometown, Northampton, another, ah. another Northampton boy. But um, so for the next doctor, the next Doctor Who, I understand John Hurt. Um, has been mentioned. Mm-hmm. I think Michael Gambon would be brilliant. Oh. But I think the Doctor has to be older and not a very, very, very young boy like Matt was. I think that, I mean, Matt looks about 12 years old. I know he's about 27, but he looks about 12. And for me, I think he's a great actor, but for me, he's not Doctor Who. Um, you know, Michael Gambon's Doctor Who. Back to an old Doctor like when William Hartnell did it. Maybe Alexi Sales' Doctor Who. Oh. Uh, but the best person I can possibly think of to play Doctor Who is me. <laughs> I, think, I, I, I think I'd bring something really good to the role. I, I, think, I think I should be playing Doctor Who. I think, I think Doctor Who should be back to the William Hartnell um, type image of Doctor Who. William Hartnell was a bit dark, you know. He had a dark side to him as the Doctor. I remember one episode when they were way back, I think they were in Neolithic times, and he very nearly killed. That's right, you remember one well. The, That's yeah. the first Doctor Who adventure. Was that the very first yeah. one? And he very nearly he thought about killing yeah. the, uh, this, this caveman. And he had a little bit of a dark side to him, did William Hartnell. And I think that the Doctor should have a dark side to him, should be slightly dangerous. Not such a fantastically likeable Doctor, maybe. And I think I could bring that quality to Doctor Who. Could bring the anti-hero element. Yeah, well, he's, he's a good guy, but don't mess with him, you know? <laughs> and that, that, that sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, it would be great. And I'm interested, because 
when you're starting out, a lot of people are told, oh, don't do uncredited work, don't do non-speaking work, because you get pigeonholed. And yet you did do that, and yet I've got a, an acting CV that is very impressive, and you've done films, and you work with some great directors. So did you were you ever advised, oh, because like, for example, in Trial of a Time Lord, it's not a credited part, it's actually quite nice, but you get some nice screen time, but you managed to break out of that and become, you know, a film and TV actor. At the time, uh, the general mood for doing non-credited, in inverted commas, walk-on roles was don't do them. If you want to be a serious actor, do not do this stuff because you won't be taken seriously. Well, I thought, pish to that, <laughs> because I'm getting great experience uh, 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 on, on the studio floor. I, I worked uh, over the couple of years I was doing non-credited work. I worked with the icons of classic TV. I shook hands and met Tommy Cooper, Morkman Wise, the two Ronnies, uh, and and, and uh, Patrick McGowan and and, and, yeah, and and some absolutely uh, you know the, the, the icons of, of classic British television at the time during the the, the halcyon uh, period of British TV during the 70s and um, and so it was a pleasure to have done that and I learned so much by watching people like Patrick McGowan work and how what we let's let's not uh, just leave those names hanging because you McGowan was such an enigma. I mean, you met him. How 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 was he as a person then? Um, I think most actors are a bit crazy, and he comes across as being um, much the same as he was in the prison. You know, seeing you, uh, sort of quite abrupt and quick and and and. Uh, uh, but 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 yeah, great. I mean I mean I mean I don't know. I, I think that some some actors have just got this this uh, aura about them that they emit that is quite uh, catching and, and 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 it can affect you and it can catch you. And uh, and and, and McGowan is certainly one of those. I suppose it's called charisma. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and, uh, and and Patrick McGowan certainly has charisma. As did Tommy Cooper. As did. You know, so, 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 so to meet 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 the the uh, the heroes of my childhood, and to be a Doctor Who monster and, and things like that was absolutely fantastic, of course. And so I, I wouldn't have regretted it. But after doing it for a couple of years, I did realise, well, hang on, you know, if I want to take this seriously, which I always did want to take it seriously, then I have to um, develop and move on. And so I went back to my theatre roots and did some more fringe theatre and uh, invited agents and casting directors to come along and see me. And I got a very good agent and started to go for castings and, and proper auditions and, and was lucky enough to get them. And, and, and it, it, uh, it, things progressed from there, really, and, and still, are, still are progressing from there. The other thing that I would advise any young actors to do that, are, 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 that may be listening to this is when you finish drama school, don't think that's it, John. Keep up classes at all times. Do you know Jack Nicholson? I know this for a fact. I've met Jack Nicholson, by the way. Jack Nicholson does his acting classes every week. How about that? My goodness. Well, and acting's just the tip of the iceberg, but we'll, 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 we'll go through some of your more recent acting credits, but let's uh, quickly nip by to the trial of a time lord, because you mentioned about um, Tom. Do you remember working with Colin Baker? I do remember working with Colin Baker. That was the one um, I mentioned earlier that um, Honor Blackman was involved in as well. 
Trial of a Time Lord. Uh, Colin Baker always seemed to be quite a, 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 a jolly, jovial chap, always um, uh, messing around on set, always joking, always a very, very relaxed guy, always joking. I mean, um, I know that he is some some people's favourite Doctor Who. It's said that, that uh, your favourite Doctor Who is the Doctor Who that you experienced in your time, isn't it? I think. I mean, you, you, yeah. you've obviously yeah, heard that said much, before. Yeah. yeah. And so I guess my Doctor Who was William Hartnell, although my favourite Doctor Who was Patrick Troughton. Well, it's interesting you say that, because it's either that when you said it's the Doctor you grow up with, it's either the Doctor you grow up with, or it seems to me if you're an actor, it's a tie between the Doctor you grew up with and Patrick Troughton, because all the actors I speak to love Patrick Troughton's Doctor. Because they presumably think that he it, it was acted best. I think, I think yeah, I think they just they look at that performance and go, it, it's such a good mix of drama and comedy. Funny nails both. Yeah, yeah, although Christopher Eccleston was great as well, I think. Yeah. But there you go. Only stayed for one one se one season, as we know, unfortunately. But yeah. So um, yeah, I mean, I grew up with with William Hartnell, um, and 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 there's the older there's the there's the cliched thing that everybody says. You know, everybody says it, and it's probably untrue. We used to hide behind the settee and watch Doctor Who. Everybody says that. I really did. <laughs> really good. <laughs> yeah, I'm picking it from, 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 from the side there. Uh, but, of course, Doctor Who is... Uh, I loved the email you sent me, because you said we could talk about... And you listed things. Nobody's done this. People are going to go, I don't remember anything, but I'll happily meet you. And you went, oh, we can talk about... And you mentioned um, films, obviously TV, classic TV, which you've been in and are interested in. But you also mentioned psychogeography. Yep. And... Alternative mindsets, yeah, and those were two things that made me go. I've got to do a podcast where those two things get mentioned. Sure, sure thing. Well, psychogeography. It's a. It, uh, for those of you that aren't familiar with the term, it was started in the 1950s in Paris by a chap called Guy Dubard, and uh, it was a kind of a, a political stroke artistic group, I guess, really, um, whereby they said, whereby Guy Dubard and, and and the letterists. It was a group called the Letterists. They wanted to. Um, make art part of everyday life and part of the landscape and so it becomes it becomes a normal part of everyday life as opposed to a pursuit that only certain people do um, but it it, it, it it developed into a kind of mind game that you play with yourself and it's really a solitary pursuit and it's reading the signs etched into an urban landscape. It's um, resonating with a location's past. It's reading the signs. It's it's um, it's it's seeing how how people are affected emotionally by where they are geographically. William Shakespeare said, um, uh, "As imagination bodies forth the forms of things unknown, the poet's pen gives them shapes." and gives to Airy nothing, a local habitation and a name. And so, uh, and, and, and thus actually creates something from nothing, which is what actors do, if they know what they're doing. It's what uh, writers do, it's what musical composers do, and it's what magicians do, wizards do. Um, and this is kind of what psychogeography is all about as well. Um, it's about noticing the geographical landscape where you stand, where you are at any one time, and resonating with the spirit of the place, the, 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 in Latin the genius loci, 
and resonating with that, noticing the signs, as I say, etched onto the urban landscape, a spilt milkshake on the street, a street sign, finding connections, how it all connects up together and how it all, where it sits within you and how it makes you feel. And of course you can, you can direct and use this stuff in order to um, create a feeling, in order to create uh, a world, an inner world, which you overlay onto the urban landscape, making it real. The best way to see London, or any location actually, is to walk, walk it. And remember to look up. There's a different world up there on the rooftops, and you'll see a totally different city if you look up um, at wh wh wherever you are. And of course, one writer that you uh, probably know more about than anybody else uh, is Alan Moore. Oh, Mr Moore. Well, yeah, Alan's an old mate of mine uh, from Northampton. My hometown is Northampton. Uh, Alan Moore is a Northamptonian, um, a devout Northamptonian. Alan will never leave Northampton, I don't think. Um, rarely leaves Northampton anyway. He's a little bit of a recluse. And um, a genius. Uh, Alan Moore, of course, being, for those of you that don't know, the graphic novelist. Um, he wrote the graphic novels on which the following films were based. Watchmen, Leap of Vendetta, The Extraordinary League of Gentlemen, Constantine, and many, many more. Um, and yeah, Alan's, Alan's a good mate of mine. Alan uh, has just written a film called Jimmy's End. Uh, Alan and I were kind of the main two characters in the movie. Um, this can be seen on YouTube, if anyone would like to take a look at it. It's pretty scary, the character I play is very scary. Uh, yeah, but Alan, Alan is uh, a self-confessed, self-styled and self-confessed magician of the real wizard sort, not the Hamley's toy department sort. Uh, and I think that Alan uh, shares my view that there's no difference between art and magic, in that Alan's magic is injected into his writing, it's injected into his art, into his writing and what he does. Um, and yeah, he's, he, he, he's, he, he's a fascinating guy. Um, I've worked with Alan on various projects for a group which um, I was there at the conception of and that Alan formed with uh, another writer friend of his called Steve. And the group is called the um, Moon and Serpent Grand Egyptian Theatre of Marvels. And, yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and with the Moon and Serpent Grand Egyptian Theatre of Marvels, uh, we do various projects um, and we can work on them together. Or Alan mostly is, Alan's a bit of a lone wolf in that he doesn't really do collaborations as such, he does his own stuff. But I uh, also do my own stuff under the umbrella of the Moon and Serpent. Um, the one I've just recently done is called A Journey with Your Daemon, um, which is about, uh, it's, it's a psychogeographical journey uh, across the United Kingdom since creation to the present day. Um, and it's with your daemon, your daemon being your inner force, your instinct, your authentic being, the part of you, Toby, that you think no one knows about. No, not that, no, that other part. <laughs> that part. The one that even you think right now I can't possibly know about. That part. 
Uh, that's your Damon, um, the authentic you, the, the, your instinct and your uh, inner force. One of the greatest thinkers in history thought this important enough to die for, Socrates. Uh, talks about his daemon or, or his daemonion, and this is why he was forced to drink, drink hemlock and put to death for introducing this concept to the youth of Athens. Um, the Egyptians call it the car, K-A, and the Romans used to call it the genius, which is where we get the name genius from. This spirit, like, almost like the muse, which is, uh, it's not actually us. When we throw off this mortal coil and, and, and check out and die, the daemon will still be there, but it's attached to us during our lifetime. And it's our, it's our guardian angel, it's our instinct, it's our, it's our inspiration. It's the author of our dreams. It's, the, uh, it, it's, it's our inspiration. And, um, and I maintain that if we can tap into this thing, if we can tap into it and uh, ritualistically, then there can be no mistakes. Because we experience the world through our senses, our five senses, uh, sight, touch, Taste, sight, touch, taste, hearing, and sight, touch, taste, hearing, and smell. Smell. And smell. And we experience the world through those five senses, um, which is also, incidentally, just very briefly going back to acting, uh, what acting is all about, um, and, and method acting. It's using the five senses in our own lives to create, uh, to, to, to create authentic truth on stage or in front of a camera. And so my show, A Journey with Your Daemon was to ritualistically raise my own daemon on stage. And then my own daemon will ritualistically raise the daemons of the entire audience. And so we have a room of pure, authentic selves. And then what happens? Scary, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Scary, isn't it? Well, then what happens is pandemonium is convened. Pandemonium being all daemons. Pan or demonium demons. Pandemonium is convened, and then we can um, we, we can just leave the theatre uplifted, having had a personal experience of um, that, 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 that that will be uplifting and good and positive. It's not scary. It's not it's not demons and that sort of thing. It doesn't mean that demon doesn't mean demon. That's something totally different and something that I wouldn't personally get involved with, all that sort of stuff. But it's it, it's 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 just it's just uh, raising raising the the true inner self so that will in, it will enhance our lives. And and, and, and people did leave the theatre and always leave the theatre when I do this show, um, thanking me for the uplifting experience. And it's very gratifying that they do that. And I know that I must be doing something right. I love the fact that you can convene pandemonium, though. It's like saying, oh, we'll just, and we'll schedule the apocalypse after tea. You know? <laughs> well, no, there's no apocalyptic <laughs> stuff going on here. It's, it, it, it's all quite positive and all quite feel-good feel stuff. Um, but I'm, I'm writing a new show at the moment, actually, called The Loneliness of the Long Distance Actor. And, uh, and, and, and that, will, that will be about... Um, that will be about there being no difference between, between magic and creativity and how we can use this in acting and what acting really is and what magic really is and how there's no difference between the two anyway because it's just life. Um, and, 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 and so that's the new show. All a little bit uh, weird, I know. But it's no, it's great. I think this is the best conversation I've had. <laughs> Who'd have thought coming from a mandrel? <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 well it, it, it keeps me off the street, you know, doing, doing this sort of thing. But my, but, but my main love in life is, is, is my acting work. That's my main love in life, my acting.
Well, I wanted to ask yeah. about the, yeah. the, the, the acting side of it, especially yeah. when we yeah. talked previously about Alan Moore, because, of course, he famously hates all of the films that are made <laughs> stuff, and you're in the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, so has he forgiven you? <laughs> Well, it was it, it, it was I, I went I went for the audition to be in the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen to to, to play uh, the valet to the character Moriarty, and um, and I got it. It was great. Uh, I had a nice scene there with him um, as his valet, giving him a shave and having a little conversation with him. Unfortunately, it was the first time, the first time, and touch wood, touching this lovely oaken pub table we're in, touch wood. Um, it's not going to happen too many times. I ended up on the studio cutting room floor, on the on the editing cutting room floor, and they they, they, they they cut the majority of the scene that I did there. However, this is true, and I put it on my website after I finished the scene. This was so this this gave me such a lift. None other than the great Sean Connery came up to me and said, "Well done, son. You played a good scene there." Wow. Well, yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. In his last film as well, it seems. Well, let's hope he's, not. He's, he's sort of said he's retired now. Yeah, well, I mean, the greatest, one of the greatest movie actors in the world, Anthony Hopkins, has said that he's going to retire uh, several times, you know. One of the greatest film moments. So you could say to Sean Connery, never say never again. Never say... <laughs> I now I know why you're a comedian. Very good. And you worked with Scorsese. Yeah, Scorsese. Yeah, I did I, I, Marty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I worked with Scorsese on on Gangs of New York. I was the forty, th the leader of a gang called the Forty Thieves. I had a couple of lines on that, which didn't end up on the cutting room floor, thank God. And uh, yeah, that was fantastic. But the greatest thing about working on that movie. Um, Gangs of New York with, with, with Scorsese was, um, well, you know, not only working with, 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 with the great Daniel Day-Lewis, um, an extreme method actor. Um, I mean, there was, there, there was a time I was on the opposing uh, sort of gang to, 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 to him, as it were, and there was a time between takes. He stays in character 24 hours, 24-7. Daniel Day, literally 24-7, even in the hotel afterwards, even everywhere, 24-7, he's in character, never comes out of it for the entire duration of the movie. And, um, and he's standing between takes, being Bill the Butcher, being all kind of quite tough. And I walked past, and for a kind of, not a joke, I wasn't taking the mickey out of him, but uh, I was sort of a little bit of gentle rivalry. I sort of stood and mimicked him, staring at him. And we stared each other out for a good five or ten minutes, just just sort of, you know, being, 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 and then I got into really trying to intimidate him, but of course couldn't. And, uh, and, and, and that, so, so that was, that was good. And he held character for oh. the whole of that process, for the whole of that, that encounter. He, he held character 24 seven. For the, the whole movie. For, for the whole movie. And uh, he, he, he's, he's absolutely amazing. I mean, no wonder he doesn't make many movies because he has to have a lot of time off between movies to get out of character, and I know that um, he studied to, uh, for a couple of years before he made Gangs of New York, becoming a master butcher, uh, and, and he actually became a master butcher. He's also a master cobbler, shoemaker, um, and, and, and so he, 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 he takes his work um, seriously, <laughs> you might say. But the best thing about being on Gangs of New York was we filmed it in Rome at Chinachita Studios in Rome. And Chinachita Studios is the uh, studios that hosted where the greatest film, in my opinion, the best film ever made, was shot at Chinachita Studios. It was also shot on location in Spain and in studios at Chinachita Studios. 
in, in, in Rome or Roma. And that was the 1966 movie directed by the best film director in the world, Sergio Leone, The Good, The Bad and The Ugly. And, and everyone thought you were going to say The Boys in Blue with Cameron never, Ball directed yeah. by Val Guest, but that's, that's been wrong. No, that, 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 that's the second best movie ever. <laughs> no, but, but, uh, but, but no, but what a movie, The Good, The Bad and The Ugly. I mean, I mean Serge, the, the direction of Sergio Leone, um, the music of Ennio Morricone, the fantastic performance of Il Bruto, uh, The Ugly, by the brilliant Eli Wallach. Um, you know, and this was all shot on the same lot as we shot Gangs of New York, where the Five Points was built um, on this on the back lot there. Everything you see, the town there, the, the frozen town of the Five Points, was was built there on the back lot of Chinachita, and it was about the size of Bedford, about the size of a, of, of, of a medium-sized town with streets and roads, and and and, and you, you'd have to have uh, vehicles to, 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 to drive around the set to get from one set to the other. You know, it was it was huge. Um, a sea was there with galleons on it. Absolutely fantastic. I mean, you're an actor, Toby. You've been on film sets, movie sets. You know, you know what it's like. It, it, it it's just a it's a magical world that's created on a film set. The other the other reason I like being an actor and going on movies, you know, it's uh, it, hey, it gives me a chance to play. I can play, you know, I can be, be a little boy again. Oh, I've never grown up anyway, and I can just play, so. Um, but yeah, so the best movie ever made, and, 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 and I kind of resonated there, did the psychogeographical bit, you know. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm there, I can resonate. When I was on the set there, I was also there with Eli Wallach, and I was also there with Lee Van Cleef. And, ah, uh, you know. Through, touching through time. Touching through time. Well, and it also sort of brings us full circle because there's an episode of Doctor Who called The Fires of Pompeii with David Tennant and Catherine Tate that was filmed at Chinachita Studio. At Chinachita, there you go. So it all connects so up somehow. It's, it, 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 it's all there, it all connects up. That's, that's, that's the magic of it. Now, you, what you've just done is some bit of psychogeography there, you see. You, there we go. you make the connections, and even though there's probably no connection, there is because we decide there is. You know, <laughs> so, so that's great, yeah. I will ask you the two final questions. The first one is to nominate a charity um, that the listeners can donate to because this is free. I think that uh, if any listeners would like to donate to a charity on my behalf, on your behalf, I would request that they donate to the League Against Cruel Sports. Um, I am opposed to blood sports, hunting with hounds or any other form of hunting, some of which is now illegal in the UK anyway, but still goes on. Uh, but the League Against Cruel Sports will buy up um, areas of countryside. They'll responsibly manage those areas of countryside and keep the hedgerows going and stuff like that and all of the various wildlife that lives there, but they will refuse access to the hunts which is a good thing, uh, and also the League Against Horse Wars. It's about time we stopped uh, exporting and killing animals for fun, because it's not a fun thing to do, to kill animals. I love animals. Animals are my friends, and I don't want to kill them. And so uh, the League Against Horse Wars will be my charity. That's the one, and I'll do a link uh, uh, in my outro. And the final question is because we've covered many, many uh, fascinating subjects, which is what I love about this podcast, but we did meet up to start talking about Doctor Who, and Doctor Who is 50 years old this year. So what is your message to the fans of Doctor Who who listen to this podcast? Keep watching. Keep watching Doctor Who. Keep up the good work. Keep the faith. 
you know, um, go to the conventions, just, just, just keep up the interest and pass your interest on to your children. And if there is, at any stage in the media, um, a voting thing for who you think should be the new Doctor Who, your answer is Robert Goodman. <laughs> but a tick by his name, or an X, whichever, whichever it is, whatever the form the form takes. Well, it remains to be said, that's been a great chat. Robert Goodman, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Toby. Great fun. Cheers, mate. Beautiful. That was fabulous. All right. Cheers. I didn't uh, um, waffle on about no. stuff that was too uh, no. too off the wall. I love it. It's what it is. <laughs> it's, that's what I love about thanks to Rob for taking that conversation to all sorts of fascinating places and I'm pleased to say his wish has almost been granted to him. He has been cast in the next series of Doctor Who but not as we know uh, as the Doctor. Still it'll be great to see him and uh, I hope that was helped by a little bit of Who's Round magic. So we'll look forward to spotting Rob in whatever guise he crops up. Uh, he's told me about it but not given anything away because that's how people do things these days but maybe He's one to cross off for when I do the 100-year anniversary Toby Haydock who's round from my bath chair. Uh, Rob's charity is the League Against Cruel Sports. Their website is www.league.org.uk. League, L-E-A-G-U-E.org.uk. Uh, please give if you can. Uh, my next interviewee is one of my favourite sorts, uh, somebody that's not been interviewed by Doctor Who magazine, somebody whose uh, face and name may not immediately spring to mind, but who's worked on many, many episodes of Doctor Who, so many that uh, it's actually going to be a double uh, episode. So part one, uh, with a gentleman from literally behind the camera, is on the next edition. And I hope you listen and enjoy. Until then, here's a preview. Things like shadows, you'd often, even if you didn't collide with a Dalek, you'd often see a camera shadow on the Dalek or, or something like that. Yes, yes, you would generally leave them in unless it was really bad. Even the old boom, you know, I mean, <laughs> there was a view if they noticed that, we've lost them. So yeah. I think, you know, <laughs> the viewers are watching that sort of thing. Oh, for goodness sake, then we're not telling a good story. The Fourth Doctor Adventures, Doctor Who. Zygon Hunt. Oh, what's the matter? Why have we stopped? I just saw it up ahead. Gigantic. This is the planet Garros, by the way. I looked it up before we landed. You have been here before? No, but I've been meaning to visit for a long time. What are you doing on this planet? Just pop by for a look. I've always heard it was rather a lovely spot. Seems like there's more hunting to be done tonight. But this time our quarry will be those damn prisoners. They must be found and shot on sight. No one must know of the plan. You must die. Big finish. We love stories.